Thank you for joining us on Vagina Talks. I'm thrilled to have you here and I want to have you everywhere we are. So I want to invite you to come check out the Patreon. That is where you can support, become a member, join the virtual temple, get behind scenes, all the good stuff, support this podcast so that we can keep bringing you the medicine, the free flow, the real, 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 real talk. Would love to have you as part of the community over there. Consider yourself invited. Come on over. I'm Samantha Rise, and welcome to Vagina Talks, where we speak about, to, and from vaginas. This is a show of alchemy, where we turn poison into medicine, disconnection into wisdom, and isolated wounds into communal peacemaking. Here's your host, Sophia Wise One. You already know everything they can teach you. You already know. We are here to remind you what you already, already, already know. I just want to take a minute to acknowledge that Vagina Talks understands that gender is fluid and dynamic and goes way beyond the binary of either woman or man, she or him and that in fact it's a living and evolving thing that's actually personal person to person and that our bodies even our understanding or the ways that we experience them can vary it's important for me that that's something that has space here on vagina talks and at the same time i also am carrying this understanding that womanhood and the experience of the feminine and all of the female in the splitting of that binary has been injured, has been hurt, has been dismantled. And so I'm looking to have a space where the feminine and the female and the female body is reclaimed and respected and lifted and inspected and known, as well as a space that goes beyond the binary and that acknowledges that these are limited constructs, mostly put upon us and that we're in the process of evolving into something more whole and more true. Just wanted to say that some of my guests will use incredibly binary language for whatever reason from the places that they come from. And I just wanted to let you know that Vagina Talks has a much wider understanding and it's a living one. So feel free to chime in as we go along. Without further ado, today's episode. Hello and welcome to Vagina Talks. I am your host, Sophia Wiseman, and I am grateful to be joining you wherever you may be right now, moving or in stillness. I'm also excited to be here with a dear friend and sister and and wise woman on her way sharing her medicine, Caroline Grace Ashurst, a licensed acupuncture and the founder acupuncturist, one who does acupuncture, founder of Restorative Harmony Acupuncture is an acupuncturist and holistic fertility maven. She is dedicated to your health, helping to facilitate support, empowerment, and transformation. Her personalized attention, presence, and deep compassion make her treatments unique. Caroline is passionate about women's health from maidenhood through motherhood. In addition to her private acupuncture practice in Philadelphia, she offers placenta encapsulation services for local mamas-to-be, and is expanding her work to include holistic coaching for hormonal health. You can find more information on her at her website. Welcome. Hi. Hi. So, Caroline, 
I'm curious to know where you are right now in the midst of this kind of wintry time, where you are in relationship to your body and specifically the root of your body. What's mm-hmm. happening here in this time, in this way? Great question. Right now, I'm aware that my baby is crying with my husband. <laughs> I apologize <laughs> if you hear that. Um, and, um, you know, usually the winter is like, I like go in um, really deep. I love the winter. Um, when I went to acupuncture school, we really did a lot of delving into the seasons and the energetics of them because I, I learned five element acupuncture. So can you tell which, us a little bit about that? I know some people listening definitely don't necessarily have a distinction if they don't know any, like what, what is five men, five element acupuncture referencing? Sure. So it's a style of acupuncture that I would say could be arguably more holistic than your traditional Chinese medicine TCM that's out there. And I say that because um, it really treats a, a whole person and a constitutional type of a person versus like a pattern that's happening in the yin yang imbalance sphere. So instead of like, hey, there's this imbalance, let's, let's treat it. Um, let's fix it. There's like, oh, hey, this person kind of lives in one of these elements more than the other. There's five. There's water, wood, fire, earth, and metal. Um, and we, we kind of see what element that person lives in more than the others, and that's their constitution. And we serve to, like, support their constitution and, like, lift that up and, like, nourish that. So um, it's a little bit of a different approach. It's like not fixing what's wrong, but like tending to what's already occurring. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like the basic premise of it. Um, so in learning about the five elements, we learn about the different energetics of them, the different seasons. There's all of these relationships. So water is winter, which is, makes sense because it snows a lot. It rains a lot in different places in the, in the cold and the winter season. Um, wood is spring. Fire is summer. Um, earth, there's like two schools of thought about. Earth is either late summer, like that really heavy, humid time, or it's actually the transition between the seasons. So depends on what paradigm or what... Um, era in ancient Chinese history we're looking at because they kind of had a different viewpoint on earth. Where and do then you tend to hang out? I'm kind of like both. <laughs> okay. Like I see it in both, you know, I feel it in both ways. Um, and then metal is autumn. And I feel like it makes sense that the seasons go with those elements. As I say them, you probably ever think, yeah, wood is spring. Yeah. Cause everything, all the wood comes out. Right. And fire, of course, the summer, like the passions, the, you know, so winter was traditionally always a time when I was depressed, like for much of my life that I can recall, um, until I went to acupuncture school and we really learned about what the dark is. And, 
um, how to be with the dark and learn about all of its gifts. And it was a huge healing for me because I learned that one of the reasons why I didn't like winter was because I wasn't really sitting with my dark side. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really moving through it. I wasn't really working through it. Um, and when I started doing that, um, I actually began to love winter. So for a few years, I actually didn't want winter to end. I know that probably if anyone lives in the Northeast, they're probably thinking I'm an insane person right now. Like what? Oh, if you live in Philadelphia, you hate the cold in winter. Um, but I usually, I love it. I love the quiet of the snow. Um, I love that deep stillness. Yeah. Um, and that being said, I have a one-year-old. She's actually going to be 14 months on Christmas Eve. And life is completely going at a different pace than Jer mm -hmm. wants me to go right now. That's how it is with babies and children. You know, they're in the fire phase and the wood phase of their lives. So they have all this energy. That's the yang. They've got all this energy and they're like, go, go, go. And, um, which is excellent. And, um, I haven't had as much time to like tune in. It was funny. We were driving the other day to run errands and there was like snow on the ground. And I was like, probably emailing a client from my phone my husband was driving he's like hon put down your phone like look at the snow mm. and I was like oh god like yes like right <laughs> good idea that is what I do that is what I do and I haven't I like even looked at the snow when it was falling and I'm like I want to be here with that snow right now and it's like I'm cooking I'm making food for my baby and I'm running around and it's like yeah so that's I feel like there's a centeredness there. Um, we also just moved into a new house. We bought our first house. So it's like, it's been like go time since like my birthday in September when we, when we, um, our offer got accepted on the house. So I think given the circumstances, I am pretty rooted. Um, and I'm rooting more now that I'm starting to root into my new house, which I've got a really pretty backyard and a huge maple tree out back. Mm. And every time I look back there and see it, and I'm four blocks from the Wissahickon, by the way, the woods that are local to Philadelphia, for those who do not live here. Um, one of the things that my husband and I was like a number, like top five need in a house was being close to the woods because we love to go walking and we want that to be a part of our daughter's lives. And I feel the energy here is so rooted. And I, I really think it's because of the, the woods right there. Um, it feels light, but it feels rooted at the same time. And I think in that way, I'm, I'm tapping in, in a, in a different way. It feels quiet out here, even though it's like not super quiet per se. It literally is quiet on the block, but it just feels like the energy is really quiet and I'm tuned into that. So that's a very long answer to your question. <laughs> I love it. Loved it. A couple things um, came up for me. One, I'm just trying to see which one do I want to go with. But um, one is I entirely agree. I my experience of winter is very similar to you. I was not into it. The only thing I liked least less than winter was um, 
March was spring was like that early, like really shouting spring energy. Uh, this is really, I just was a, it was a dread, dreadful month for me for years. Um, but winter was just like rough, you know? And I, uh, I had one winter where I just decided, and I was living in a house, um, where my housemates and I, we all decided that I would take kind of take over the basement. So I like used the basement as my studio. And so I had this empty white wall in the basement that was facing the north. When I like faced the north, it was just this white wall that I couldn't put anything in because it was just like a base painted basement plaster, you know. And I went down every morning and I would like either sitting, you know, sitting down to sit to practice or standing in front of this wall. I would stare at this wall and I'd be like, north, winter, you know, I don't like you. I am not into you, but I know you probably have some really awesome stuff to teach me. And like, I am going to just show up until I have some gratitude for you because I don't have it right now. And every day I went down and every day I was like, yo, you suck. Like I was so mad. I was like, you're cold. You're nothing. You're empty. I'm terrified of you. I don't want to look you in the face. Like, you know, and by the end of that winter, I was in love, totally in love just in love with, like you said, that stillness. It was the place where I discovered that in my understanding, deep and true transformation takes place in, I think of it as North like medicine wheel style, like the, Mm -hmm. the winter that when you go past death and go into nothingness, Mm -hmm. it is like from that nothingness that something new is created. And so there's never a newness without the complete submersion into the emptiness or into the nothingness. It's always just a rehashed version of something old before. If you don't go into that complete, obliterating, empty, silent, nothing, nothing, nothing. And I too have had experiences. It might have been last year, but I've had it a couple times since then that it, that when when spring starts to make its turning point i'm like i'm not ready i'm not ready like i'm just like it, it's like it's just it's so there and i'm thinking about when this show is supposed to when we're supposed to release it though people will probably listen to it in many different times of of the year and that transition i was taught there's like lots of ways to look at the seasons but the way that my mom taught me to read the seasons was by light not by temperature so the solstices are the midpoints the equinox are the midpoints, not the start points. So solstice is the middle of winter, which means by the time we're in the end of January, the beginning of February, we are straight up springtime. Like we are at the very, we're in that technically seasonal, you know, seasonal cusp time. Um, but that transition time and gosh, transition, golly gee, <laughs> gee whiz, right? Just like Absolutely right. I mean, that's actually what the Chinese believe. Um, that's what I learned in school is that that's the middle, right? The solstice is actually the middle of the summer and the middle of the winter. And the equinoxes are the middle of the spring and the middle of fall. And I feel that too. I mean, I, and I think what you're speaking to is really so tuned in. And so like, you're so connected because one of the things that I learned in school too, is that the transition from winter to spring and late summer to fall are the quickest, the quickest transition of any of the transitions between the seasons. And you can feel it. 
that's when I would start getting depressed was right when fall started. I'd be like, uh-oh, winter's coming. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I would feel that energy. And it's, it's actually the energy is dropping. The energy drops and goes low during the winter and this fall. So, yes, that's what we're feeling. But I think we have – we don't have the vocabulary for it. Yeah. So we call it depression or we call it whatever. But actually it's like it's that dropping sensation. What if we had a different vocabulary for what that was? Hmm. And when I offer that to my clients, too, they're like, oh, my God, wow, I never thought of it like that. And it's liberating for them, I think, and empowering to have a different vocabulary around it. Um, and also in spring, I've been right with you. Those years that I, like, really relished in winter, I was like, I'm not ready. Like, because spring just, like, it just, like, slams you in the face. How um. it's there. Undeniable. And the energy just like springs up and it's intense and actually not to be like a Debbie Downer, but statistically that's actually when a lot of people commit suicide, unfortunately, because it's that movement that they can't, they can't step into. It's overwhelming. And they're like, I can't, I can't meet this energy. And I've, I've felt a very, very small piece of what that feels like. Mm. Um, yeah, that well, a transition. So, like again, my 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 mother always talked about how um, seasonal cusps are when many people, especially if they're on the edge of living or dying, will decide not to. You know, just that alone, it's like that one more seasonal change that winter into spring and that summer into fall. It's like I gotta, I'm gonna go, guys. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step out now. Mm-hmm. And that part of that. Um, that turning point that like uh sometimes i think of it it's like a little bit like an e-brake turn like uh, you just like flip that like quick whip around you know and mm-hmm. especially that spring that winter to springtime i think about the amount of energy that it's needed to take a seed to like split and sprout and the amount of energy that's needed to like bust through the surface and and especially in early spring when it's all the energy is there, but the surface still appears to be winter, mm-hmm. like when it, everything's still like quiet or, um, you know, it, it's not super, super warm. Or, you know, again, all of these things are like poetic when they're not actually physically like the, the landscape, like we're very northeast, like we have this very kind of four season experience. But I think a lot of people can get into the poetry and the understanding like the how those seasons change and and that that energy is this it's it's raucous it's so intense and it's meant to be that intense like it's meant to break through the shell of winter and that um you know again I think there was like a larger cultural wound about change and expression and breaking through the shell and ego death or having your identity change and that when we really go into a deep winter or we go into a deep transformative time when the time comes to be different to have that push us through where we were previously into something new it requires nothing short of courage and mm-hmm. and like a little bit of sacred insanity <laughs> I love that just like a little bit to just let yourself be a little have spaces between the thoughts that feel risky, right? Where it like stops making sense like it usually did and it just feels like we don't quite know what's going to happen 
in that newness of self. You know, I think mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going through that right now, like literally right now. I was just saying to Kim, I was like, I'm on the edge of my sanity right now. And I'm down because I do not want to keep going the way that I was. And like, I'm there, but I'm like, like it's, it's, I'm at the edge and it's a choice every day to be like, am I just going to like relax and not relax? Relax is the wrong word. I'm working very hard at relaxing, but am I just going to let go and slip back? Or am I going to let myself ride this edge of insanity of not going insane, not going completely past myself, but being like really edging in this space that is uncomfortable, different, um, change ridden yeah it takes a lot of energy to meet creating and 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 possibility I mean that's all what wood and spring is about it's about the vision and the creation and the and the possibility and seeing seeing it in front of you um and choosing it's all about choosing too oh right yeah that's that spring gallbladder liver Decision making, mm-hmm. discernment. Oh, yay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where, how's your vagina? Mm. Great question. We're going to get really, really intimate right now. Um, which is actually, you know, a lot of what I've been thinking about in terms of where I want to go with my work and what I'm offering the world and. So as you know, you all heard, I have a baby and it's been a really incredible journey and from, from beginning to end. And, you know, I think when I say that people, and I, part of me, I'm, I'm, I'm using a cough drop because I was sick earlier this week and I don't want to lose my voice. Um, so, um, when people hear that, I think the first thing they assume is, oh yeah, having a baby is so incredible and the baby is so wonderful and it's life-changing. Yes to all of that. And I'm actually speaking to this when I say this is that we have forgotten to focus on what it is for the mother. We automatically assume that every part of pregnancy has to do with the baby. That's what everyone focuses on in our culture. And that's something that I want to change the paradigm about because it's like, you know, let's talk about moms. Let's talk about what happens. I mean, it's the big, one of the biggest transformations you can have as a woman or as a, a person having a child, um, however bodied you are. And, um, my vagina is very different than before I had a baby. Mm. And, I am not sure that will change. I was told by some mom friends that breastfeeding really influences the hormones. I mean, I I know that, but to the fact that it affects how the vagina feels. So um, I'll rewind and just tell a very clipped version of my birth story. My birth was 29 hours of back labor. So my baby was posterior, which is one of the most painful, actually the most painful kind of labor you can have. And I ended up getting severe sodium deficiency. It's called hyponatremia. And I was pretty much in a catatonic state. 
And I didn't know that I was because I'm like, oh, it's birth. I never experienced it. I'm supposed to be in this zone everyone talks about. <laughs> um, so I ended up having to get an emergency C-section because my body proprioception was not intact. So if you tell me to squeeze this and push that, I can do it. I have a very good relationship with like my muscles in my body. Had no idea what people were saying to me. Had no idea how to get my body to do it. And that was because my brain wasn't functioning because it was sodium deficient. Your brain needs sodium to work. So I had a C-section, but my baby was pretty much sitting on my vagina for many, many hours. And the tissue in my vagina um, was um, physiological, physiologically shifted because of that process. So a lot of my tissue still feels like I had a vaginal birth, part of a vaginal birth. That's what my midwife told me. Right. Um, and I, and I, I feel it. I mean, sex with my partner has been, um, so different, painful. Um, I realized the first time we had sex postpartum was about a month or two after. <laughs> so funny to think that I thought that that was, Oh yeah, we can have sex now Two month or two after. Um, ext- very painful. Yeah. And, also, what I initially knew from that experience is my vagina was like, no, no, nothing's going in here right now, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, my husband was amazing about the experience. And a lot of it was there was trauma there. There was trauma that needed to be healed. I actually had an acupuncturist friend of mine do a treatment around my scar. We do these treatments called scar treatments, and we put lots of tiny little needles all around the scar to help um, just release heat around the tissue, um, just help with the, you know, collagen production and the healing of it. Mine was on fire. Mm -hmm. She put needles around it, and it was hot red. I've never seen that happen to a scar before in my treatments. I felt like a lot was released that day. So things kind of moved forward from that point. Um, But now we're a year in, and I can count possibly on one hand how many times I've had sex with my husband. Not good (laughs) for a relationship or a marriage. Um, Because it's still painful. I'm going to be really graphic here. The tissue feels different. There feels like there's almost like cysts or some sort of like nodules, like these tiny nodules in the tissue Mm -hmm. of labia I guess you would call it um and they're painful when my husband penetrates so um we take it really slowly we use coconut oil it feels like we need a few minutes to just like really slowly like really like let my vagina like hey okay like there's uh, there's something there and we're gonna just like gently allow the space to open up again which makes me think there's still trauma down there because immediately I think my body's like, Oh my God, what's there? Yeah. Um, however, I think I turned a corner. My baby has started, um, self weaning off of breast milk. So my output is vastly different and my sex drive, like literally in the last week, I feel like it came back, which is like miraculous. Hallelujah. Miraculous. Yeah. So I feel like we had sex recently and it was awesome. I was actually into it and feeling it. 
and like excited about it. I was like, oh my God, things might be changing, you know? And then I was like, last night I was like, I want to have sex. <laughs> God, what? what's happening? This is so exciting. So anyway, that's what's going on with my vagina. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate it. Have you, you, obviously you've been palpating, like you've been feeling, you can name these like tissues, these, um, the, 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 the sense, like feeling what's there. Have you done any, like, have you done any intravaginal massage? Have you done any work like that on yourself? With me, would you say with me? Is that what you said? work like that with you and it was fantastic. And I got your email today and that's amazing. I was like, I think I sent... Just to let you guys know, Sophia offered to to do some of her work with me um, in a way that's accessible for me. Um, and um, I literally forwarded the email to my husband and I was like, dreams do come true. Like, that's literally what I wrote. <laughs> well, I've been telling him how I needed to have some pelvic floor work. Um, the work that you do, Sophia, I recommend to so many of my clients because it was some of the most transformational work I got to experience. Everyone who's listening, I mean, I got that work done before I was pregnant. You know, you don't need to be uh, having had a baby to get that work done. Um, I have not done anything with myself. It is, my level of self-care has drastic, uh, drastically changed since I've had a baby, and that's a new balancing act, yeah. which is also inspiring the work that I do in the future, supporting postpartum mothers, um, getting back to themselves. So, you know, if I do a few minutes of yoga every couple of days, that's incredible. Yeah. I, uh, it is incredible. You know, it's like, there. I just, okay. I'm just going to have a minute here. Okay. Because I'm, it's like rising up from like deep inside me, which is like, we're just, we're, it's a problem. Like it's a real, it's a fucking problem. It's a problem for all of us. Like I haven't birthed a baby we will probably have some babies or a baby one way or another that may or may not happen. And it's a problem in my life right now. Like people who give birth do not get the care that they need from start to finish. And that has massive reverberations for all of us. There's complete erasure of the human being that just birthed another being that is mind boggling to me. It's so painful. It's so painful it's the it's the kind of painful that people don't know it's painful. Like like I look around and I'm like, y'all, this is a problem. And people are like, what do you mean? The baby is so. And I'm like, do you see this human being? Like this is a problem. Like how is this happening? Right. And it's like, okay, I get how it's happening. Like hashtag colonialism. Like it's not from nowhere, but it's a, it's so I I that's I just had just go on a rant about it that like it's it's a wound that's not just I think that's the part that like rises in me that it's not it doesn't just hurt you like it doesn't just hurt the nuclear family like it it hurts us as a culture it hurts us as a as a community there is a there's a it it feels like a like a jousting like a just like it's like a it's like a punch it's like a punch to our wholeness when that happens and it's yeah and it's it's one of the reasons that I asked if you did the work on yourself because um because it's hard to do it all ourselves 
And it's really impossible. It's not how we're built. It's not what we're supposed to do. Like, it's just not like it just can't. It, we just can't. Like, you you can't. I can't. You know, Bobby can't. Like, we just, we just can't, you know. And we're not designed that way. And, you know, it's like a couple minutes of yoga every few days is great. And the understanding that you need more care is also great. And prioritizing it and being willing to be that much more counterculture as we go, like that's essential. That's important to do it for yourself. To, you know, even for me without a child, how I choose to do that as an entrepreneur or as a as a human being or as a wife or, you know, like to be able to break the voices in our heads or to put the foot down with my partner and say like, I know you think I'm going to do all of these things and I'm not because I'm going to do this and and we're just going to have to shift priorities around that. Like it's just, we're just going to have to and it's going to feel uncomfortable. Like all of those things and that, and that the work, especially doing the work internally on ourselves when there's trauma, even when we have all day, mm-hmm. sometimes we can't do that work by ourselves. And it's not until we go to, we have the day where we're like, oh, let me just give myself a session. Like that happens to me. I'm like, oh, let me just give myself a session. And I go and I'm like, nope, I am not going there by myself. Like, oh, hell no. Like, I'm not going there by myself. Like, you, why would you go back there by yourself? Yeah, you know, I mean, what what really bubbles up is like, we need a witness, you know? Yeah. Well, can so I get a witness? Can I guess? Witness. witness me. Um, I... I think so many of the wounds to the female body, to the feminine identity, to the um, caretaking role, like be it gender, be it body, be it uh, responsibilities, associations, the whole gamut, so many of those wounds were caused by and through isolation. Oh, God. And so the remedy requires exposure. It requires us to be seen and to have it be revealed with one another because it's literally the problem is that we're isolated in that moment and in that way. There's so many problems. I was just talking about there's so many problems. So many problems. Really, really, the seas are cultural. We don't live in a tribal community anymore. Community anymore. So therefore we have to do all of this stuff in our little family unit, which is like outrageous. I mean, I'm, and, and the other question is like, why do we need to be privileged to experience this stuff? Like, why do we need to be privileged to, to be able to access this? Like I work part time and I still feel like it's so much that we can hardly do it. And I work part time and I'm privileged because I can trade with a massage therapist and an acupuncturist. I'm so lucky. And actually, I haven't even had, I've been coming up against my challenges of asking for help, which is huge as a new mother and as a woman, it's just like asking for help, asking my friends, hey, could we create a schedule so that for once a month, one of you can help me for two hours and watch Mina so I can go get a massage, so I can go get acupuncture. And like, I need to do this. This is what I'm learning is like, I started therapy because I was having a lot of like mom stuff come up around guilt and like all this stuff that I usually don't feel. And it was a lot and I couldn't do it on my own. Um, and then from there, he's like, I don't even know what the baseline is for you because you need self care. He's like, you went from having one of the highest levels of self care that probably anyone has because you're a healthcare practitioner, you, you know, an acupuncturist, you had so much healthcare, um, you know, self-care that you, you went down from like almost none. He's like, so I don't even know what ground level is for you. 
rustics for that out. You need to start getting these things regularly. It was what I needed. I needed someone to kick me in the ass. Um, so I'm working on that, but why, why, why am I, why, right. why is it accessible to me and it's not accessible to other people? Problem. Like, big problem, big problem that we don't live in a tribal culture anymore and that we're not. And this is my thing again, coming back to the mother versus the baby. Cause I love my baby and let's talk about her forever. I do like, let's talk about her forever. But, but yeah, it takes a village to raise a child. No, no, no. It takes a village to support a mother. That's what we're really talking about here. We're not talking about the baby. Like we are, but tangentially. Right. And you know what I felt? <sighs> yeah, real my- talk right there. That's, okay. I, yeah, that, that, nobody's quite said it like that before. When- yeah. Yep. So much. I've been get, I've been receiving so much mm-hmm. download that I like can't wait to like put out there and help other women with because of this. But when she turned one, when Mina turned one, I had a really emotional experience. And some people are like, that happens at one, you know? It was the anniversary of my traumatic birth, my very traumatic birth. <clears throat> anniversary of that. You know, when you have a baby, you're like you hit the ground running, you don't have time to process. You're trying to keep a human alive. Yeah. Yeah. No joke. One job. You don't have any experience with that. So it's like, oh, man. Um, so around that year mark is when they say you start to process that. So I was processing all of this emotional stuff. Yeah. And the same token, Mina was turning into a young ba- a, a baby instead of an infant, which was a huge grieving process that I never thought that I would have, that I did. And she started to self-wean. It was like all this stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, my baby's one. Happy birthday. But it was actually like, I'm really sad and I'm grieving right now. And I realized it's like, oh, yeah, my baby's actually she's having a meltdown right now. I can hear her. I'm trying to stay present. Um, It's like her witching hour right now. Um, So now moving forward, it's not about, oh, happy birthday to your baby. Maybe it is, but it's like, happy birthday to you, mom, because the day that you give birth as a woman is your birthday. You become a different person or sorry, any gender who births, you become a different person. That is your birthday. So, I mean, this is stuff that I feel passionately about because of the experience I had, um, and even the beginning of pregnancy, how there's this cultural thing where you're supposed to be like, oh, everything's great. I'm walking in clouds. I should be happy that I'm pregnant. It's like, guess what? The first trimester really sucks for a lot of people. I mean, okay, great. Yes, I'm so grateful that I'm pregnant. I'm so grateful that I'm pregnant. And I feel miserable. And I'm like, mean and nasty inside who the hell is this person like they're miserable like walking down the street I hear my mind going like what does this asshole think he's looking at I'm like who is this like who have I become you know yeah no one talks about it no one talks about it Kim and I talk about this with engagement too it's like the secret underbelly it's like we often have this conversation when we got engaged we like it was like over the course of the year of being engaged, we'd ran into all these other people who were engaged and would I would be like, how's it going? And they'd be like, oh, it's great. And I would like, I was like, no, 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 but like really, like actually, like how is it? Because like being engaged is like, whoa, 
like this is it's huge it's like every question on steroids like it's just like really intense you know and I had all these kind of conversations and everyone would be like oh my god and 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 they'd start just pouring these stories out and I find that it's the same thing um with uh pregnant people as well you know like people in that space it's like I'm really grateful and this I didn't expect this I didn't know this I didn't feel this I've been like this this you know like all of these questions I thought it would be like this and instead it's like that and it's like you know, all of these things, again, that isolation, that like breaking apart of being witnessed, a space to share our stories, a space to hear these stories before we hear them ourselves, like before they're our own, to have some context for it. And that's one of the reasons I'm like really glad to be having this conversation right now. It's like anyone who's listening who A, never had someone kind of speak the truth around it and B, um, if it hasn't happened yet, like if this happens to you, A, it doesn't have to. There are people who have a different experience and that's all well and good. Like that's great. great. That's not a problem. The problem is when you're having a different experience and you feel like you're a fuck up. That's Mm -hmm. when it's a problem because we all have a variety of experiences as we journey through this wild thing, right? But when we start to have these challenges during transitions and we think that we must be fundamentally fill in the blank, that's that's problematic because we are struggling with transition, like just that piece alone is it's big. It's true. Um, and I work with a lot of women in my acupuncture practice and I support women who are pregnant and women who are trying to get pregnant postpartum women. And you know, it's so much of what I do is reframing the story for them. Yeah. I mean, and I know that's kind of what you're up to with this podcast, you know, it's like you want to reframe stories and tell stories that are going to resonate with people and create more space for us to all live in. That, that right there, create more space for us to all live in. That's it. That's totally it. Do you find that most of your clients, um, you're there, I guess I'll just ask my question, which is, do you find that a lot of your clients, you're the only place that they're getting this reframe from? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, and you are working with, at least in part, right, largely part, again, like relatively privileged people. They have access. They know about acupuncture. You're in private practice, so they're personally investing, you know, uh, their time or resources to, to, you know, get it. And, and, and still with all of these kinds of quote unquote access and privilege walking around with, you know, severe damage happening inside themselves and what's being reflected back to them. I'm not making this up, right? I mean, this is, you're seeing this and feeling this in the, in your practice, right? So much, so much. Um, I recently had this like download about pregnancy in the first trimester and I shared it with a couple pregnant women and it was so healing for them. Mm. And I want to share it with you for all of these listeners who might be pregnant right now in the first trimester or who were. And um, a lot of women also deal with anxiety. I mean, I'm going to speak just a, a moment to what it tends to be for women in the first trimester. It's like it's a very vulnerable time. You feel very vulnerable and exposed, yet you don't like you want to like a lot of women feel like they want to hide and they don't want to share what's going on. And it feels like a very sensitive time. Um, and, um, a lot of women deal with anxiety during that time for numerous reasons. And, um, one of the things that women experience is, you know, a lot of women feel sick 
in some way. They feel nauseous. They're vomiting. Um, and they're, they, they, they start to, like, they start to lose who they are. They start to disassociate with the person they've come to know themselves as. Um, that's what happened to me. I didn't know who I was anymore. I was having depression. I was having all these emotional experiences that I haven't had since my 20s. And it was very disorienting, especially to a 38-year-old woman who has come to know herself very well. Um, I'm a very, like, I guess you would say the word self-actualized person. Like, I'm very, like, clear in my development and where I am. Completely disoriented me, which was part of the challenge for me. It's like this... um, crumbling of structure and women don't know what to do with that. And no one's talking about this, by the way, mm-hmm. no one's talking about this. Um, people that I've spoken with friends, clients, they t- will speak to it and I will share my story because then they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah, this is safe. I can, I can say this here. Mm-hmm. And, but here's the thing that's really interesting that I see and that I really believe is true. Um, my story about birth is much like, the story of someone who um, partakes of a um, entheogenic um, substance in terms of um, uh, spiritual enlightenment. So peyote or ayahuasca. So we have these like there are these plant medicines from the earth that indigenous cultures use for transformation, um, for visions, for healing, to do the deep work. And many of these experiences have purging as part of a part of their experience, right? Especially peyote and ayahuasca, which are two of the most um, well-known um, plant medicines. And there is this purging process of letting go of all the, the stuff that has accumulated that isn't serving your spirit anymore, right? That's how it comes out. I see you. You're just like, holy shit, right? Mm-hmm. And there's also a complete disassociation of who you are. Right. You have to disassociate from the person you are in order to go through that portal. So I really believe that's why. That's the wisdom in that in that experience. And women who I've shared that with are just like, holy shit, yes. Thank you for that, because now I have a different way of experiencing this. Now it feels like it has a purpose. That's right. It's kind of just like vamp on that. Can I like keep going? Go There's, it's, it. I, 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 yes, I just love it. And it reminds me of a bunch of different things. And one is um, people, uh, <laughs> mostly people who don't know me and don't know my work, um, older um, women, um, or people who are going who have gone through menopause will say to me like, "Oh, you, just you wait, just you wait till you go through menopause and you go through these horrible, terrible uh, uh, heat flashes, these like hot flashes, like they're just doomsday. Like they'll just like it's unprompted, they'll just you know, which I you know I I understand that's an opportunity for me to hear what they're saying to me, which is that I really suffered through my hot flashes. Like oh, that's what you're telling me your story of suffering through your hot flashes. I hear that." What I'm hearing in my head is like, I understand that the female body creates purifying ceremonies from the get till we're done. That's just what, that's just what it does. It's like our menarche, our menstrual cycle, you know, and that when we give the process of transitioning from being the, 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 the bleeding, um, 
you know, generative bodied being into the the phrase that was shared with me years ago was when the wise blood lives inside. Oh, love it. So when we go through this transition of letting the wise blood pour from us to having the wise blood live inside, there's a purging, there is a separation of who we once were. And what do we do? We have personal on call, on demand, spiritually on demand, not mentally on demand, right? Like a deeper wisdom then our mind literally go past the heart, go deeper, past the gut, go deeper, mm-hmm. right? Like hit the mm-hmm. womb, hit the root, like this tap root wisdom of on-demand sweat lodges. Mm. And wow. that my, I invite my, um, my, my fiercest, my fiercest medicine uh, initiates when, if they're going through this transition to when they can, when they're in a space to actually add a blanket when a hot flash comes to um, to get fluid, to like mm-hmm. call on sister water, to get fluid and to grab a blanket and to drop into prayer and to like not miss it. Like this is like you, spirit has called upon you a, a, a sweat lodge. And like, what is it to go, to go there? You know? And it's like, it, this is not easy work. Like, I'm not fronting on that. Anyone who knows what I've walked through in my own experience and in my own body, like, I'm not saying this shit is easy. Like, no, 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 no. I'm not saying it makes you look good or normal. Like, no, 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 no. Like, none of these things, right? Like, no, 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 no. Um, you know? Uh, and that it's like, you know, when you're in line at the grocery store, it's not as cool. I get it. When I had stabbing sensations all over my body in line at the grocery store, when I was doing my soulful purging, in my 20s, it, it wasn't cool. You know what I mean? Like I could barely <laughs> stand up. Like there was nothing yeah. neat about it. I still had a choice, which was to either engage in prayer or grit my teeth. And some days I did one and some days I did another. And that's just what it is, you know? There's, and that's one of the beauties is like your wisdom won't give up on you. If it comes and you miss the chance, it'll come back around. Ain't no thing. <laughs> right? It's beautiful. So, so beautiful. So that place of like we do that. And the second is – I do when I do the pelvic floor work with people, especially in the intensives. Um, uh, you know, I I tell people you're going to see this transformation. Um, and Tammy Kent, my teacher, talked about this. She said you'll see most of the results in nine months after the session that you received today, mm. conception style, Earth time, gest- mm-hmm. gestation time. And I've I've been watching this and studying this in myself mm. and with with my people that I've been journeying with. And this happened in the training ground too. We had our initiatory weekend and we've been tracking through the year together. And I'm like, you're at three months now, you know, and at one month in, um, you know, I was like, it's very real to you, but it's invisible to the outside, you know, like nobody else knows, but you know, everything's changed. Nothing will ever be the same. I'm not who I was. Nobody knows, but I'm not who I was. I'm gone. I'm dead. Like I'm, you know, and this, this shedding and this sense of loss of self and, and not knowing who you are or what you're going to be. Now that's very transparent when I'm talking about birthing yourself, right? Yeah. Like that's that transformation. But to recognize that when you just add a a fetus into the equation. Now there's just two of you going through this process, not not just one, you know, and this process of this parallel of our own transformation that goes along that mark and that for some people, that transformation has purging from start to finish. I know, I know. It really is. And, and you see that in pregnancy with people and I see it in transformation and it's like, God yeah. bless our vomiters, you know, like... <laughs> 
it just it's intense and and I don't know anybody who doesn't do the work consciously who doesn't have an element of purging the whole time right mm-hmm. if you owned every piece of say that again purification purification exactly exactly that like purification if only of thoughts if only of how we have a feeling if only of our physical belongings if only of our physical well-being most of us all of those things they're one and the same that when the thoughts change we change what we want to keep all of a sudden we don't want that sweater it's like goodbye sweater like i don't need that sweater anymore i don't like the way it feels on my hands because my sensory self has shifted like the, all of these things, this reverberation. Um, yeah. Love it. Can you hear my baby crying? Yeah. She's and my heart up. She's, she's hungry and it's bedtime. And I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. I will send her some love. I'm grateful that she's uh, shared you with me this far oh, tonight. Oh. Um, my, so my closing, I have just two closing questions. Um, mm-hmm. If you have, do you have a couple more minutes? You feel like you got that for wrapping up? Like literally two minutes. Okay. So really quick. The first (laughs) is if people want to be in touch with you and find you, do you have like a place you want to send them? Yeah, absolutely. They can go to my website, uh, www.restorativeharmony.com. I also have a Facebook page. If you, if you look up restorative harmony and I have an Instagram, which is acupuncturista, but it's ACU. P-U-N-K-T-U-R-I-S-T-A. I should probably change that. Um, and I put, a lot of, like, put a lot of, I put a lot of like gems on there. I don't know. I, I, I love my Instagram. And it's been a little quieter this year than normal. But um, yeah, I, uh, I recommend checking me out there. Great. I think my last question, um, I feel like you actually already kind of named which is that if they were going to paint a picture add a thread of the healed world the better world we're working for what does that world look like feel like like what where are we going that's a wonderful question where i would like us to go and where i hope we are going um those that are aligned and aware and conscious is a place where we create new structures that support, new cultural structures that support women in our transitions through life. Um, Since our culture right now doesn't support it in the way that's, you know, we talked about earlier, only if you're privileged and even then maybe not. um, Let's, let's create new structures of support um, and access to support. Um, and let's do that by continuing to share our celebrations with each other, things at work. Mm. Let's continue to talk to one another and be honest about our experiences as women through these things. Let's tell the stories that aren't happy, like, you know, skipping through the flowers stories about our experiences so that other women feel safe and heard. And, um, that allows conversations to start and hopefully structures to begin. So, yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us and many blessings to you and your whole family. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was so juicy and delicious. And I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. (laughs) Love you. Love you too. Have a good night. You too. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much. And thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sophia. (laughs) Remember, everything that we talked about in today's episodes will be in the show notes. So go there for links. For more content that you're going to love, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to this podcast. Share this episode with anybody you think you'll enjoy it. And share the love with a rate or review wherever you listen. And to find out about all the mad adventures I'm up to, check me out on Instagram at SophiaWiseOne uh, or come to my website, SophiaWiseOne.com. I am Sophia Wise One, daughter of the wind. I am calling you to rise up, rise up, rise up, rise up and take your place. Thank you, gorgeous. I am thrilled and grateful for your support listening to this podcast. I want to invite you to come check out the Patreon. If you think this podcast is the bee's knees and you're grateful that it exists, I want you to know I'm grateful that you exist. Come join the Patreon. I call it the temple. We are healing. We are musicking. We are podcasting. We are together. Come check it out. You can find it through Patreon backslash Sophia Wise One or through my website, sophiawiseone.com. Oh. <laughs> Y'all know you need to hear that though. You know. If you don't know, now you know. If you don't know. Okay. Yo, I'm so excited about Vagina Talks right now. Don't pretend like you don't know this is the best podcast you've ever listened to. Don't pretend like you don't know. You know.